Hey, what's happening? Welcome to the Influential Communicator, the go-to podcast for your weekly dose of storytelling, speaking, and communication bullets to help you craft stories that sell and deliver presentations that win. I'm your host, Ravi Rajani. So without further wait, let's get into it. When I think of an influential communicator, I think of Richard Moore from working 60 plus hours a week in London, cold calling in the trenches and running sales teams in the world of corporate. Richard's now focused on his sales consulting business where he works with people like solopreneurs, elite consultants and nine figure businesses to help them master the art of sales and especially social selling on platforms like LinkedIn. But more importantly, my friend, he's a husband. He's a father to two daughters and two rabbits, like we just spoke about in the green room. (laughs) And he's a Taekwondo wizard. And today I pinned him down to specifically talk about how to communicate to convert in the DMs without making your prospect feel like they're being pitch slapped. Richard, what's up, dude? So good to see you. My, my goodness, that's a, one heck of an intro. Thank you very much for that. And like, you're taking me through so, so many emotions. I was remembering all of those moments uh, that you explained there. So it's so nice to be here. Thank you so much. Good to have you, mate. Normally, I call you Richie Rich. So, you know, if I do call you that, I'm sure you'll, be good, with it. I'm sure you'll be good with it. <laughs> so, dude, let's take you back for a sec. Were you that kid who was 16 years old selling lemonade to his neighbors? Or did you learn more about the art of selling later on in life? Now, this is the weird one. Kinda is the answer because I was incredibly shy like massive nerdy introvert when I was a teenager. I was all in, you'll remember this was like the mid nineties, all in on the internet, building computers, writing my own operating system kind of thing, not going outside and getting any vitamin D, not playing football with my mates kind of thing. I was, I was very, I was I, indoors building computers was my thing. So no, but what I was always interested in was in running a business. And so I kind of wasn't, I didn't have the, the social skills to do this, but what I, I was doing sales in a way. So the first sale I made, I was, uh, I think I was 14 going on 15 and I built at the time, an obsolete computer. I like built it from, from parts and things and sold it to my uncle. What's important to me, I built it because I, of course, enjoyed doing that kind of thing, but I saw that opportunity. I'm like, if I, the guy needs this thing. If I could do this, I know I could probably, I reckon I'd get a hundred quid out of this and it'll probably cost me 30 in parts. And so there was that always that, there's always been an entrepreneurial thing. And like I would, I would buy sweets when I was, this is before I was 10, even I'd buy sweets at the sweet shop, cut them in half and sell them to my sisters. So arbitraging sweets uh, when I'm like seven or something. So there's always that in there. But the, <laughs> what I hate was that I wasn't extroverted enough to get in the street and do that around the houses because I would have killed it. So I was like, I was getting my 20p pocket money. So this is in the 80s, going to the shop, buying the sweets being the stoic and not eating them and trying to sell them and seeing what more, more I could make. And I was making pennies, but it was about the game. You know what I mean? So I had a lot of leverage though, because my mum would say to my sisters, 
buy them or he'll cry. And so, uh, so I kind of, I had the authority bias of my mum on my side. That kind of helped. <laughs> Dude, you sound like a drug dealer. It's not about the pennies. It's about the game. You know, you sound like a drug it's dealer. About, it was about the game. It's about winning. <laughs> it wasn't about the money. Uh, uh, yeah, it was, it was, that money was more stock. So I, I kind of, I had that in me. I've never actually shared that on a podcast, but that that's kind of the, the kind of guy I was. But it was always very like, if only if I know you really well, can I really sell anything? Uh, and and I, I needed that skill set to take me to to new people. That was where I could have scaled. <laughs> yeah, uh, dude, I love it. I love it. It shows that you had an entrepreneurial flair from a young age, right? But you know what I love even more? When you speak, it's the Queen's English. And you and I have spoken about this before. When you speak to folks across yeah. the pond in the US, they always say to me, they go, wow, you sound so posh. And I'm like, trust me. Listen to my friend Richard Moore. That's posh. I literally, I sound like trailer trash. Trust me. And they're like, no, 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 no. I'm like, trust me. You know there's worse, but it's that home counties thing, I suppose, is all it is. Exactly, mate. But anyway, I digress. So the question is, and I don't want you to, I don't want you to lie about this, right? I want you to be real. I want you to hit me with the honesty. How many times a day do you get pitch slapped on LinkedIn or on any social media platform? And we're defining pitch slapped as a cold DM, essentially trying to sell me something. Yeah, like, hi, Richard. Be great to connect. By the way, I've got this service. Book a link down below. Uh, click the link and book a call down below. That that sort of vibe. And the worst being the ones where they literally offer the thing I'm meant to be already quite good at. So clearly I haven't looked at my profile. So I would <laughs> say I, it's not horrific, but I would say if we just look at LinkedIn alone, I reckon it's getting on for 20. Like, there's a lot. 20 a, lot. It's, it's a day oh easy I, I reckon getting in that direction might be like 15 sometimes a little like but it's probably in that direction it's a lot i don't get it because some of them a small percentage of them are asking if they can help with like helping me grow my linkedin and i'm not being arrogant but like i'm all right but the majority weirdly have looked at what I do and they're offering a service or a periphery service that can help me more. They have read the profile, but what I'm seeing is people who just have no game. And so they lead with the pitch slap, which is just a terrible idea in 2022 or in fact, any year. You know what I'm interested to know though, is it being pitched that annoys you or is it the lack of innovative pitches that annoys you? Yeah. So I get annoyed with the ones where there's just been no research. It's like, this is a VA and they're literally just spamming. And it's like anyone with any job title, like founder, they're going to use. I don't mind so much if they're trying. I actually have no problem if they're trying, if they put some effort in. The fact that the pro- they're just simply, this part is in the wrong step of their process is, is no problem to me. Because you've got to understand, I'm such a nerd for this kind of thing. I'm really interested in how, like, I'm the guy that, when someone pitched, would, would cold call me, I would often listen to it and see how they're doing. And now, of course, if people are doing this, like I, ever the entrepreneur, that's a lead right there. That's someone who's crap at closing or, or at converting, which is precisely <laughs> the thing I help people with. So I see leads everywhere. It's like the matrix sometimes. I'm like, that's, I can, see, I can <laughs> just see the angle on it. And I remember closing one for the accelerator and it was, it was last year and it was a, a bot 
that this person had used to spam me about how tax laws in the US were going to affect me. I'm like, well, they won't, will they? (laughs) Because I'm in the UK. And the fact is I challenged her on it and she apologized. And I'm like, I've got it. I've got the angle. I could just see what to do. And that ended up as a call and a deal. And so my thing is I'm always looking at whether there's a lead. So I don't find it irritating because it's like I've just got more I've got more shots at goal, really. But um, I'm maybe one of the only people that looks at pitch slaps as potentially a positive. The only dude I know to turn somebody who's prospecting him into a prospect for himself and then actually converts them for his LinkedIn client accelerated. Dude, I love that. I love that. She joined. I saved, actually saved the chat because I was really proud of it. I was like, this is stuff I could show people actually. It was a really good explanation, a way to like show the plan on how the structure of closing looked like. So all of the all of the stuff I teach, I was doing, which is kind of handy. So um, I need to get her permission and turn it into a post, I reckon. How meta, man. How meta. I love that, dude. All right. So let's take that now and put it into an actual scenario. So let's say somebody listening to this right now uses LinkedIn, Instagram, other social media platforms as their core part of selling their products, services, vision, idea, whatever it might be. So what the hell do people start with when they're reaching out to a decision maker on social media? What the hell should they say? What medium do they use? Where do they begin? Yeah. So if we talk ideals, because sometimes the ideal will change based on how urgent it is that you, you know, if I have to make a thousand pound today, then what I'm going to do will be different. But if, if ideally the step before reaching out is to get them to come in your direction first, which is a content-based attraction play. And the process is simple. It's three steps. It's content, DMs, call and close. So the content warms and makes people go, that's interesting, like, that's interesting, comment, that's interesting, vote, that's interesting, curiosity gets the better of me, click on the profile. That's all I need in the sense of someone stepping in my direction, and now I can reach out to them. So I, I, I want to cover that one. That scenario is where I simply lead with, hey, Ravi, just wanted to say thanks so much for checking out the profile today. How are you? I just want to see if they're going to bite and give me anything back. Yeah, I'm fine, thank you. Yeah, I'm like hope you're well. This is in a connection note. And then my response will simply be, just out of interest, what, what made you decide to look at it? Or just out of interest, what caught your eye? And I'm just like, I've got so many consulting gigs out of it that way. When people are like, well, I'm looking for someone who can help with LinkedIn. Great. So why do you feel you need that? This is the next question. Well, it's because uh, whatever. And then they'll elaborate a little bit. So what do you feel you need? I just need someone who can go with this. Or even, I don't even know. Do you know what? I know I can help with this. Would you like to grab a, a few minutes? We can explore what it would look like if we worked together. Sure. They always say yes, because they stepped in your direction to begin with. They were happy to share that they have a bit of an issue. So they're not going to go, no, I don't want to explore it because they've literally shown you that you're open. That you're seen as approachable. Uh, and as a result, they were happy to expose themselves a little bit and go, like, I'm just struggling with this thing, which people don't do unless they are looking up to you to some degree and cool with you taking things further. That's the ideal. And it should be possible for anyone watching this to do that every single day, as long as they lead the content as people like you and I do. The less ideal, but often very common approach is I'm just going to reach people cold. Like I'm going to outreach directly to them. Now, 
there's two essential elements in cold pitching that you always have to have. And most people have one and they, they lose because they don't have the other. This is essential. The first thing you need is relevance. Okay. I can't sell you shoes if you have no feet, right? You, I have to be relevant at least. And the problem is most people only have relevance. They're like, hey, you're online. Surely you want search engine optimization or you're online. Therefore, you'll need a new website. And it's like, well, technically, I need I have a website and therefore there's a need for it. Yes. But imagine if relevance alone was all it took. We'd all buy from any person who was ever relevant. So the other thing that people miss that is more important than anything is leverage. So as well as relevance, we need leverage. Now, the question is, what does leverage look like? You need to understand that leverage is because we're interfacing as human beings first. Your leverage needs to be something that human animal on the other end of the uh, exchange is going to respond positively to. A great example is if you, Rav, has, has a friend that I don't know, but you decide to recommend that person to me because you think, do you know what? My, my friend Wendy is going to do great if she works with Richard. Then the fact is, if I was to reach out to Wendy cold and say, as a really bad example, like, hey, Wendy, I know you're connected to my friend Rav. How are you doing? Even if I did that, I'm not even leading with my relevance, but I'm leading with, with the leverage I've got, which is as a human, she's going to be like, well, if this is a friend of Rav's, it's, then it's, I'm cool. My barriers will drop. I'm, I'm, I'm open to engaging. And I did this in corporate selling for years, and it's how I was consistently able to close is because the thing I was looking for was what's the mutual commonality here? I would literally find existing clients and look for an existing relationship somewhere with anyone else in their world. So maybe they did a deal with someone. Maybe they've, they've done a press release or something in the past that mentioned a company, and I would call that that lot. Hi, you don't know me, but I'm working with Mike at this company. Okay. Oh, really? Okay. Well, what is it you do with them? And I'm off. So always I need leverage or Leverage in our world might be that you have a volume of people who are relevant to someone. So, for example, selling sponsorship at my events I ran uh, live on LinkedIn, for example, when I did that, I simply said, hi there, I have 40 content creators who are going to be in a room, right? And they're, they're going to be uh, they're focused on LinkedIn content. Are you interested in discussing uh, sponsorship? The fact is the person could buy sponsorship. Anyway, that's relevant. But the fact is that I had leverage, which is I have 40 people who are all related directly to the kind of thing you can do. Now I've got leverage. And the last one I'll give as an example is last week on Clubhouse, I was asked by a guy called Chris Doe if um, I'd be interested in, in doing a live Clubhouse with him. I was going to spend an hour and a half of my time at nine o'clock at night on a Friday for free on this call. So why on earth would I do that? Well, it's relevant. I mean, everyone watching potentially could buy from me, but he had leverage, which his personal brand is such that the guy is 
like altogether millions of followers. And so it was like, well, it's it's Chris Doe, isn't it? Okay, well, yeah, happy to, because I know there'll be 700 people watch this room, so I'll jump in and do it and I'll close something from it. So the leverage was there. I know I've gone around the houses a bit, but those two are crucial to understand. There's there's an ideal and a cold approach, but the cold approach must have always have leverage. Otherwise, like that guy's not going to bother inter- being interested. Oh, ladies and gents. Okay, what you need to do is you need to hit pause. You need to go back and you need to listen once. You need to hit pause again. You need to go back and you need to listen twice because there are some golden nuggets being dropped there. So I want to go deeper on two specific things. The first one yeah. was you talking about those three steps and you talking about content being the core pillar for that. So for somebody who's thinking, oh, Richard, yeah, cool, but I don't have time to create content or I don't believe in content. Why for that strategy, for that three-step strategy you spoke about, why is content so damn important? The reason why is because it's scalable, Rav. And people might be like, yeah, yeah, but I can totally, I can message loads of people. I can automate that. That's scalable too. No, it's not. Not in the same way. You can't cold approach people as well as you can warm approach people with content. With content, the scalability comes in that I can post once and I can get a multitude, thousands of people to see that in 24 hours. And the crucial mechanism here is that they begin to warm themselves If a thousand people look at a piece of content in 24 hours, it might be that a quarter of them are like, that's actually quite interesting. And it might be from that quarter that a hundred of them are like, hey, I I really like this. Click on like. And maybe 40 of them are, I have created enough curiosity gap. They're like, who's this Richard guy? Click Richard Moore's profile. And then maybe eight of them therefore decide to look at my, not just my profile, but they show up for the next bit of content. And then three of them look up for the next content, bit of content. And then across a week, they've looked at me three or four times. And they're like, just binging this guy. I'm really into him. You can't do that uh, with cold approach nearly as well. Because what happens when they choose to step in your direction is they decided and therefore they've sold themselves on the action being the right thing. Like stepping into Richard's world more is something they're consciously choosing to do. And so they feel it is right. And what we're doing is building familiarity there. When you have familiarity, trust starts coming in. It's crazy. You see someone enough, you start trusting that person. Some of us, like I've never met The Rock, you know, the actor, but I've seen him a lot more than I, and I, I have a sense of yeah. the person, even, despite him being a character, than the people randomly that I would walk past in the street. Therefore, if he asked me for something, I'd probably defer to like being quite interested in speaking to him because of familiarity and trust. It's weird. It really is. And so that is essential. You cannot beat that at scale. It warms people. Some people are like, oh my goodness, I've never seen you before, but this post just did it for me. Other people, it takes them a year because they're slow. But the point is all that time, every day, more and more people are being warmed and warmed and warmed. And after a while, you get this beautiful drip feed of people showing a level of interest. You just got to know to look out for the cues. And the conversion is so much more straightforward because emotionally, they decided first that you were right for them, as opposed to you imposing yourself and hoping that they're in a good mood. 
And that's a tough one. I believe me, I did thousands of phone calls cold and it's it's rough to interrupt someone's day. You better hope they're in a good mood. You know, it really makes a difference. So content is it's simply no comparison. And plus, isn't it more fulfilling <laughs> when people hey, are like, hey, I'd be quite interested in buying from you or, or at least learning a bit more. You don't have to work. There's no negotiation as much. There's no game playing because their barriers aren't up they came in your direction. So the focus should be on getting content right first, getting your message right, kind of stuff that you help people with, Rav, getting your story right, understanding what the first five seconds looks like in a video, for instance. And if you can hook them that way, it genuinely is downhill from there, as opposed to fighting uh, every day and knocking on cold new doors for the next piece of business. Listen, dude, if Kevin Hart or The Rock ask me for anything, like, I don't care what it is. Within reason, nothing creepy, but I don't care what it is. I'm in all day long, right? Every every day, all day, I'm in. But here's something interesting that you mentioned, which touches upon something that I learned a couple of years ago now. And I was at this seminar and the guy said, hey, look, in today's market, it takes 32 touches in the online world before somebody says, hey, I'd like to buy from you. And what you mentioned beautifully there was that you've got a 24-hour, seven days a week salesperson working for you, who is you, when you're creating content, which is beautiful because it builds trust, man. I love that. I love that. But okay, so now let's take it to the second half of what you mentioned earlier, which is going in cold. Now, you mentioned about what people could say, but let's now talk about the medium. So, to really give an effective pattern interruption, because you are interrupting somebody's day, should you outreach through video, voice note, or text on the first message, outbound cold? Such a good question. It's really interesting, this. The people who do this well are the ones who've spent enough time with their industry. So my first tip, if you're taking notes on this, first tip is this, you will get it wrong but try what you think probably feels right and it will evolve with proof of concept over time. So let me explain what I mean. Not everyone likes a video message. Some people will roll their eyes and go, look at this guy. He's trying to be a bit, just trying a little bit hard, being a little bit extra with his video. Oh, I just can't with these people. And it's the kind, they're the kind of people who, like anyone who's under 40, they have, they class as a millennial and they have an issue with everything. But then you've got the guy next to that person who might be the same age, but who's just like really progressive. And it's like, yeah, video, that's cool. And it's the same for voice and it's the same for text. But here's the thing. There are some really important hacks here. When you do For instance, in a message, if you do text, they can see it, they have the power, and they can decide to respond. They can see at a glance whether or not there's anything worth paying attention to. And a kind of a better way of putting it is you can kill yourself before they even really consciously read that message. Because as an example, if I see a message from someone I don't know that is long and or has bullets and or has links and or has the words just a little about me, right? I'm conditioned because of all the other idiots who've done it. Or no, to be fair, all the people who don't know what they're doing who've done it are conditioned that my subconscious, before it allows the thinking cerebral part to engage, the subconscious gatekeepers going, this feels like something that historically has wasted my time, therefore disregard. So if it feels or looks spammy, For me, but probably for most, because they experience it every day, I'll just not bother with it. 
unless something has happened in my day, if I'm just feeling in a good mood and I'm just like, do you know what? I'm going to listen to anyone. Or if I'm like feeling really lonely and no one's ever messaged me for a week, I'll read that person's message, you know? So very rarely would that get through. But the difference between text and especially voice is profound because with voice, what do they get? They get the little, the play arrow and that line. And what it says, if you look at how the person receiving it has been groomed or is conditioned to receive that, they will have curiosity spiked. So the pattern interrupt is the voice memo, which, by the way, almost no one uses. So what that most people on LinkedIn are like, I didn't even know you could do this because it's only a two year old feature anyway. So what's interesting is they'll see it and they don't know what it says but they do know it's bespoke. You can't bot that yet. So it may be that they see that and they're like, well, what's this? This is for me. I don't know what it is. I need to know. I have to click play because it's frictionless. It's so simple. I don't have to log in or enter a password. I literally hit play and I hear what someone said to me. And of course, you have this massive opportunity to broadcast with dynamics what you're actually like you know, they, their subconscious, when they click on it, the subconscious will be within a second or two working off all the interactions and experiences with humans they've had in their entire life and sorting through in their brain going, what kind of person is this Rav guy? I'll make a judgment here. How did he start? Like, then they square that with what kind of person am I? What kind of person do I have a problem with or do I like? Some people will hate my exuberance. They're like, sounds like a sales guy, stop play. They stop the playing within a second. Other people might be like, oh my God, this guy's energy is awesome. So you never really know for sure. And to answer directly, because that was important for context, but to answer directly, you should experiment and you should judge. It sounds crazy. And after a while, you get better and better and better at judging. You may feel a certain, let's just say a certain class of people or set of people would probably respond more to text because maybe they're a bit more old school or traditional, depending on your industry, depending on the kind of character or person or job title you're reaching out to. Certain industries are more traditional and dry. Okay. Other industries are more progressive. If I take wild generalizations that are loosely true in the kind of the bell curve or distribution of what they're like, if I hit the legal space, I would probably defer to um, text. But if I'm doing the legal space with a quite a progressive product, then I might focus more on, you know, if it's a tech product for legal, I might be using voice or even video more. If I'm going for content marketers, I can lean straight into video or text, uh, the voice side of things, because they're likely to respond positively to that. You see what I mean? So you need to have that level of sophistication. What's my audience and industry and ecosystem and my product like? And therefore, if I'm hitting the right kind of person, that kind of progressive thinker about my tech idea, maybe I can use more of the, the format that's akin to that kind of thinking. That's how deep you should go. Don't crazy overthink it to begin with, but after a while, you get a vibe of it. So I'm constantly switching, Rav. I sometimes would lead with a, a voice memo quite early in my exchange, or I would actually do a, do a text and I make a judgment. I will never be always right, but it tends to translate quite well. Make a judgment and see what you think.
KYC. Know your client, know your industry and know who you're speaking to. Like you said, man, I love that. I think that's a really interesting point that you mentioned. And once again, you need to pause and go back, people, because there's some golden nuggets there. Now, you've spoken, dude, about something quite interesting on LinkedIn and you and I in conversations in general, where you've spoken about this concept of excitement when you're reaching Mm. to people outbound, through, inbound, whatever it might be. And you said, look, there's a difference between excitement, aka, oh my God, yeah, can't wait to speak to you, versus something you call contained or bottled excitement. Can you tell us a little bit Mm. about the difference between the two and when to use both? Yeah, it's a nice, simple rule of thumb, because what we've got to understand is that if someone is too hyperactive, it can misrepresent them and what and if, if if you're thrilled to be on the phone and really hyperactive you may be projecting this message to the other person's subconscious of this is my first time i'm so thrilled but finally desperate me managed to get someone who's willing to listen to me or it might be just like you're way too high energy for what it is you're talking about And what people don't tend to always want is that level of hyperactivity because it worries them sometimes. Now, when I first started back in 2003, I was really nervous. And so I went high energy because it's all I had. I didn't have experience to work with. And I was told, bring the energy. You know, it was it was like stand up. It was like Wolf of Wall Street. It was like this big warehouse and we were on the phone all day long. So it was really good fun. But what's interesting is that what I realized was I mean, there's a time and a place for energy and almost a better word is intensity or bring in dynamics. So you may be able to hear it in my voice now as I'm lowering because this is the bit that's interesting and useful. So what we want to do is lead with some intrigue and this sense that there's something useful, create some tension that actually they should maybe listen to. And then we want to move through our process. And the fact is, if we're describing things, giving features, just the basic small talk or whatever, we want to kind of be fairly level. But then when we're dropping a benefit and really showing them there's this thing they should be paying attention to, now this enthusiasm and intensity will increase because it's appropriate. This is the bit everyone really likes. This is the thing that like it's crazy. Everyone loves this bit so much. And then we're just going to go back down again because if I was to talk like that when I'm talking about some incidental thing, that would be freaking weird. So you need to be dynamic and think about how you move through it. But your intensity and, and exuberance does need to be bottled. It doesn't mean you don't use it. It's bottled so you have control. I want to use the dynamics of tone, of uh, pausing. I want to be thinking about um, how much intensity I'm putting into the voice, volume as well. All of this stuff. Tone is a really important one, but like how I'm dropping, speeding up, slowing down around when it's appropriate. Benefits, more of it. Features, less of it. It's like your very clunky uh, short version. Ah, uh-huh. so what Richard just gave you there was a little bit of a masterclass in the different tools you can use for your voice, really, when communicating, right? You've got pitch, pace, intonation, tone, emphasis, all this good stuff. You know, once again, you need to pause and go back, man. You need to pause and go back. That was good stuff. Now, what was very interesting, what you said there was around contrast between how you use your voice for a feature or a benefit. Now, why I think that's super interesting is that's when you've built momentum. You've got somebody on the phone. It's really easy to, uh, well, it's Mm. easier 
to focus on these things when things are going great. But what about when they're not? Meaning you've reached out to somebody cold, they don't come back to you, or you've had an inbound lead reach out to you in the DMs and you've responded back and they ghost you. Now you don't have momentum. Now you don't know what to do. It's five days and they've, they're, they're gone. They're, they're like Casper the Friendly Ghost. They're nowhere to be seen, right? So now what does somebody do, okay? How do they pick up that momentum and showcase that the rejection hasn't hurt them? But what do they do? How do they reach yeah. back out to that person? Yeah, absolutely. Firstly, look at it as feedback. The mistake a lot of people make is like they blame the other person. They're like, oh, look at them. They're ghosting me. No, they reached out to you. So they were willing to engage. What happened next? You messaged them and now they're quiet. It's feedback. Your message had a problem. And it doesn't mean your message is wrong in general. It means with this person at this time, that message didn't perform. Now, what you need to do is look at your data pool. If every day with every message, I have that reaction, my message is clearly wrong. If I have a problem where no one gets back to me once, well, then it's probably just a one-off. You know, so you got to like be be careful with it. But typically, it's feedback that there's something wrong with your message. Still, if your message wasn't full tilt on giving them your life story, a link to your webinar, and a P- PDF downloadable, and it was just like, hey, really good to hear from you. What made you decide to reach out? Or like something really reasonable like that. Then, if they've ghosted you, what we need to do is remind them that they came to us first. That's crucial. So the ones that they reached, they reached to us first. We need to be like, Rav, uh, it's been a couple of days. I know that you wanted to learn a bit more. I know that you got in touch because you wanted to hear a bit more about this thing or whatever. Remind them that they reached out to you first. Otherwise, it sounds like you're chasing, which everyone wants to avoid. Let's do the other scenario as well, just for completeness. If they've not reached out first and I reached out cold, okay, and they have, have then they've completely ghosted me. There's some interesting statistic that says that of all deals that have been closed, so of all deals you have closed, 90% of them required some form of even subtle nudge or certainly follow-up. So if everything requires some kind of follow-up and you leave it completely after one message, then you're not tapping into potentially a lot more deals. Just remember, it's not personal most of the time. Usually it's that they're busy. Half of the LinkedIn um, uh, user base doesn't even use the website more than once a month. So just remember, it might be they just didn't see it. So what we need to do instead is just nudge again. and But don't say just chasing, did you see this? Because again, we're all getting conditioned nowadays. We've had it so many times. If someone does that, they're just more interested in trying to sell me. Like You need to give them some reason to step forward. The initial message probably wasn't. So what have you got? Let's go to their profile. Maybe they've done some content or activity. Oh, that's easy. We can just reply or write a comment there and get back on their radar. But what I want to do is find something new to go in with. So I'm always thinking if I'm doing a chase up or a follow, I need to find something different rather than, hey, did you see that last message? I appreciate it requires more effort to be be creative, but it makes more sense because you're not saying, you know what? It didn't work the first time. I'll do precisely the same thing again. So my next message might be something almost slightly different. Like I would tag that person in a comment with, with someone else or look on their profile. Who have you got as mutual, mutual connections or have they done something interesting? And for those people who are like, I'm trying that and I don't see anything at all. There's nothing on their profile. They don't have any activity. Right. So why are we contacting them in the first place? 
this completely inactive person that has got nothing to say for themselves, well, maybe move on to the next one. So we want I want people who look like they're engaged. Given there's 800 million, <laughs> we should be all right to find them or uncover the ones who are, you know, a little bit more active. And then we can work off that. So that gives me leverage. Here I am again with leverage. It's like great post, by the way. I love the post you did yesterday. The main thing now is getting back on the radar. It reminds them of the message above. And if they then engage, now I can go back up to message. Thanks so much. I, yeah, I just love the post you did today, Rav. By the way, what did you think about above? I want to get them back in conversation first. Maybe I was just a bit too full on to begin with. So uh, loosely, that's the two scenarios. Richie Rich dropping bombs. Richie Rich dropping bombs. I love it, man. Thank you. That's super, super tactical. You know, what? that's exactly what this show is all about. So I love that, dude. Now, tell me this, okay? You're having a great conversation. You've got them back in the frame. The end point for that specific conversation for the salesperson or entrepreneur is booking a discovery call. How does somebody move from general chit-chat to pivoting towards the ask of a discovery call without feeling icky or quote unquote salesy. This is really important. And if you feel you're going to sound salesy or icky, you're gonna. So that your intuition is usually right because you're, you know, a human, you know what it feels like. So don't do it. So that's crucial. If you feel it, then don't do it. But what we want to do is, is say to yourself, where are we in this conversation? If we're just doing small talk, you need to get the hell into something akin to what, or, or in the ecosystem of what you're, what you're talking about. So for me, if I help people convert from their content on LinkedIn, do you know what? It's just interesting. How is LinkedIn performing for you at the moment? Or so how is LinkedIn performing for you at the moment? And I can totally ask that because it's where we've got some commonality. We're both on LinkedIn right now. I can just ask them something broad. How is it performing? I'm doing that on the back of us having some kind of back and forth if there has been some kind of chat. Ideally, they've stepped forward and said something like looked at my profile. I said something like, hey, cool carousel, Richard. I liked that post. In which case I'd say, thanks so much. What is it out of interest that you liked the most about that? What part did you like the most? Oh, I liked this thing the most. Really? Why is it that you liked that part the most? Well, I'm I'm trying to work on that right now, or, or like I don't really know. I mean, it's just it's it's something I've not really thought of before. Okay, so like, do you think that might help if you were better at that? Then, yeah, I really do. And then that's my pivot point there. The crucial takeaway is get the heck out of the DMs as soon as possible. If you're going question, 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 it becomes too inquisitive. You like this kind of interview. It pops them out of the trance, and they're like. How, what's with all the questions? So you need to ask two or three and then you go like, do you know what? I know I can help with this. Would you like to explore what it would look like if we worked together on this? Or if I helped you with the problem you've just articulated? Sure. Okay, cool. Let's grab a couple of minutes and I'll go through it. The word explore there is so powerful because it's incredibly low pressure. And it's like, well, what, what harm could exploring be? Uh, and it feels it's soft enough they want to do it. And of course, then that's your, that's your call. So it really is a powerful one to use. Um, grab a few minutes rather than hop on a call. Grabbing a few minutes, like, well, how much? That can't be that bad. That doesn't seem that much. We can't scare people off in what is a very delicate moment. Hop on a call or grab a call. Call can be scary for even grown adults in senior positions because even if it's not scary for social worry reasons or the kind of social anxiety reasons, it could be that there's this reticence because 
it's like, oh, if we get a call, maybe they're going to try and sell me stuff. Is that going to be awkward? What's it going to be like? So try and think about the words you're using. Would you like to grab a few minutes to explore what it would look like? And once you get the yes and that, great. It's a call on Zoom. What's the best email? And can you do this time? Let me just, we just close it off. But we want to spend very little time there. And the pivot out, would can, you can be a bit more direct with them. If you're back and forth having some lovely chat, so leverage the fact you're getting on and just go, just, ask, just out of interest in how's LinkedIn been performing for you? And I keep, can you hear, I keep saying just out of interest, it's called padding. Imagine if I just said, how's LinkedIn working for you? It's like, wow, you're really direct. But just out of interest pads the question and softens it. And it's like adding a level of politeness or just out of curiosity, just out of, it's a lovely way to ask where people go, oh, that's, the subconscious goes, that's polite enough. Yeah, I'll answer that one. It's, you're making it seem very reasonable rather than you're jabbing your finger at them. So that hopefully will help. It's like that. Li- those little subtleties can make all the difference uh, when it comes to gently pivoting, quite nuanced. And then we are looking to uh, pivot, pivot them out as soon as we can. Mm, dude, I love that concept of padding where you mentioned just out of interest or just out of curiosity. And also when you mentioned about using the word explore. And it's funny because mm. you speak about this a lot and go follow Richard on LinkedIn if you're not already to grab more of his knowledge and expertise. But some of the words you've mentioned that salespeople and entrepreneurs actually use, which breed a lack of certainty because it shows that they have no conviction in their story, solution or message. Super interesting, yep. man. I love that. So let's wrap this up with, look, you got a lot of knowledge, dude. And I'm curious to know when it comes to influential communicators for you who do you look up to as an influential communicator that's a really good question i love the stuff you do i really love it and the reason why is because you do hyper tactical stuff too around communication so i genuinely i love it when i i love anyone who has a, a hacker is an overused word but like a real nugget that makes you realize something about human interaction that you never knew before. And that's what I strive to post about as much as I can. I'm always looking at like, what's something that people didn't know about everyday things they do? Like example is like when people are interacting every day with someone they're going to try and sell to and every single day they're trying and they're trying and they keep saying, can I help? Can I help? Can I help? I remember recently when I shared that if you just change can I to I can, when you've had a conversation, I can help with that. Suddenly you have this assertion and suddenly these people, it's like you're broadcasting. I got this, by the way, as opposed to can I represent people who in your experience always are just kind of buzzing around and being a little bit irritating and not actually going to be useful. Uh, you know, can I help with that is being permission led and letting them take control. I can help with that. Like this tiny tweak as one example, like tiny little things like that. Anyone who does stuff like that, I love it because it makes people go, wow, oh my goodness, I can see now how I could really change these tight, these, these moments and these interactions. So I love that about how you communicate your, you know, your, not just your story, but if I'm starting a talk or engaging with someone, and that could be from video to even just a casual meeting, what are the leverage points I, I need? Like, what are the things that are going to make a big difference? Thank you, man. Uh, I receive that compliment with open arms. And thank you, man. I really appreciate the kind words. Uh, And I tell you what, the thing that you just mentioned there about reframing 
a question into a statement is powerful. You know, can I help you with this? Or I can help you with this. There's a completely different meaning to both in association. Dude, thank you so much. Where can people learn more about Richie Rich? Well, uh, best place is probably LinkedIn, I reckon. So uh, yeah, just linkedin.com slash in they have and then slash Richard James Moore, all one word, M-O-O-R-E. Uh, I'm on Instagram as well, the.richard.more. Uh, and in fact, I started TikTok at the Richard Moore. But LinkedIn's probably best place and they're happy to help anyone who, uh, who wants to, a little bit more detail. Ladies and gents, Richard Moore. I'll see you on the other side. Peace. Okay, okay, hold on. So you thought that this was the part of the show where I say something like, okay, ladies and gentlemen, if you did enjoy the show, then please drop us a review and do share it with a friend. Well, I'll tell you what, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to be predictable here, okay? Do share it with a friend and do drop us a review if you got some value from today's episode, okay? So if you want to impact people, remember, you need to learn how to influence them first.